God is at work, and we, and we get to be a part of it. You know, we have the big sign out on the building, come see what God can do. We say that because we're seeing God transform lives every week, almost every day, uh, through the many, many ministries that we are, we are producing, uh, that we're also partnering with. And, and it is a sweet time. And we get to be a part of it as much as we fulfill the mission of the church to impact our homes and our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And as we do that, what we're seeing is the difference that, that God makes. And that's what we're studying now as we're walking through uh, Ephesians. Right now we're in chapter two and, and we're, we're seeing the difference that God makes. Now today, we're gonna see the difference that God makes with the peace that he gives. Peace. Well, what is that? Uh, this week when we got started on this sermon, uh, every Sunday, Monday afternoon, we get together our preaching team. There are five men preaching the same outline and text this morning as I am in different places throughout the city and even in this building right now. And we had a definition of peace, but I, you know, I, I wasn't settled with it. So I asked our elders and deacons and staff, and I said, give me your favorite definition of peace. And so here's where we landed. Key words I would encourage you to, to really get. Peace is the confidence Peace is the confidence, the contentment, and the courage. Confidence, contentment, and courage that comes from knowing God is in control and knowing that we are not in conflict with God. Peace is, it's, it's confidence, it's contentment, it's courage, knowing that God is in control and that we are not in conflict with him. Several years ago, I was on an airplane going to um, a place that was gonna be dangerous. And I knew it was gonna be dangerous. I knew going into it, it was going to be dangerous. And so uh, I was concerned. And at the airport, when we were leaving, I, I said it, I'm concerned. I told Carrie before I left the house, I'm concerned, which it's not what she wanted to hear. She wanted to hear, it's gonna be great. Nothing's gonna go wrong. I was concerned. Once we got a couple of hours off of the coast, I became anxious. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. And I was anxious. I wasn't concerned. Concern is, is wisdom of an awareness. Anxiety, being anxious, that's, that's disbelief. I was anxious. And I tried to pray and I, I tried to read my Bible. I even talked with one of my friends but things just got worse because now not only did I feel anxious, but I felt guilty because now, now I was anxious and guilty for being anxious and there was, seemed like there was nothing I could do. I, I, can remember, I can remember where I was when I came to terms with this. Uh, we were over Moscow, not far from our destination. And I remember saying something to this effect. God, I'm yours by grace. And I know you love me. And I know you are in control. And I'm living in obedience to you as best I can. So God, whatever happens, whatever may be, this is on you. I'm just going to go and obey and enjoy the ride. And do you know that I don't believe for one second that the Lord God began to chew his almighty fingernails? 
I don't think that panicked him. I don't think that concerned him. I think it was like, well, good boy. It's about time you woke up to the fact that I am in control. There, there was a peace. There was confidence, contentment, and courage that came from knowing that God was in control and that there was no conflict between me and him. I was simply doing what he had told me to do. You know, I I very easily could have chosen some worldly ways to alleviate some of that anxiety. Alcohol was available. I'm sure if I looked real hard, considering considering where I was going, I could have found some drugs. You know, I, I I easily could have, you know, just had an escape. Entertainment, there were movies right in front of me. I had a whole slew of them. I had all kinds of stuff that I could, I could have gotten involved with. And hey, look, I'm, I'm trained. I know how to do the uh, mental and emotional exercises that to alleviate all that stuff. I could have done all that. But you know what? When it was said and done, when it was over, that would wear off. And then there would be the anxiety again, because that's the thing about worldly ways is they wear out, they wear off. And oftentimes what happens is we're, we're, in, worse, we're in a worse place than when we first started. The, the world does not have the answer. Only God does, because only God can give us the peace that our soul demands, that our soul needs. We need a peace that lasts. So our text today, it shows us the difference that God makes in giving us his peace so that we can have this wonderful confidence and contentment and, 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 and to know that, that without a doubt that, that God is in control so we can be courageous so long as we are not in conflict with God. And this is a peace, by the way. This is a peace. This is the peace that lasts. And that's what our text shows. If, if you've got your Bible, and I do hope that you do, let's go now to our text. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to work our way, God willing, through verse uh, from 11 through 17. Next week, we're going to pick up with verse 18. So I know there's an re- uh, abrupt stop. We're going to pick it up next week. But let's, let's go with that now. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2 and then uh, preach through God willing, verses 11 through 17. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made... In the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility." By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. If you would, let's go ahead and look closely in verse 11. And you'll see that it begins with the word therefore. Whenever you're reading your Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. It's always speaking to something that had previously been written. And so in this case, it's verses 8, 9, and 10. Now, last week we finished with verse 7. 
but I decided not to preach 8, 9, and 10 this Sunday because I preached on it just a few months ago, and I believe you can find it in the app or on the website. But we do need to go back and remember what Paul is, is building his case upon, this therefore. What is he saying? If you look in verse 8, he, he's making it quite clear. It is by grace we have been saved. If we are saved, it is by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not of our, our own doing. It's the work of God. It's a gift of God. It's not because of works, not because of anything we have done. Having repented and believed the gospel and been saved by grace, we become, look in verse 10, we become God's workmanship, his piata, his masterpiece. And we have a work to do, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So God has a plan for our life. He has a purpose for our life. He has a a way in which he not only wants us to live, but things he wants us to accomplish Therefore, since we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, and we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, we need to understand how God wants to work in our life through the world. We are to live a blessed life. And a blessed life knows God's peace. A blessed life has confidence contentment and courage knowing that God is in control and that we are not in conflict with God. So who is it that can have this peace? And what is it like to be in this peace? That's what I want us to see in in our text today. And and I, I, I teach this, I preach this with a full awareness that some of you in this room do not have this peace. What I'm talking about is alien to you, but it doesn't have to be. And I I hope that that gives you hope today. Others of you, you know this to be true, but you're not experiencing it. And I want to challenge you today. Do not take this as a mental exercise. Know that what the the scriptures is, is, is giving to us, what we can have here, is something we can experience. So who is it for? What is it like? Take note. God gives peace, first of all, to those who know they need the gospel of Jesus. They know they need it. They need peace to be made. You know, we're all born strangers to the blessings of God. Look in verse 11. Four things, just real quick, I want to just show you in the text. We are born strangers, first of all, to God's family. Uh, We are uh, not of the, 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 the people of Abraham. We are not the Judites. We're not Jews, most of us. We are actually Gentiles. And because of that, we we are estranged from the the family, the chosen family of God, and we are separated from Christ. We are strangers to Christ. Look in verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Listen, you can be born in a Christian home. You can be born in a Christian culture, but you are not born a Christian. I'm always concerned when I talk to people about the faith and they say, oh, I've always believed that. Really? So you were, wow, that's impressive. So you were born a Christian. You're the first one I've ever met. It's impossible. We're born in sin. We're born with a sin nature. We are born separated from Christ. We are born strangers to God's family. We are born strangers to Christ. We are born strangers from the truth, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Look at this, and strangers to the covenant of promise. This morning, we've sung songs about the promise of God. That promise comes from knowing the word of God. We are strangers to the truth. We are strangers to the word of God because in our sin nature, we think we know what's best. 
And so we want to create our own truth, which makes us strangers to actual truth. And the promises have no power in, in our natural selves because they are not working from God through us by faith. So we are strangers to God's family, strangers to Christ, strangers to truth. And look at the last part of verse 12. We're strangers to hope. Having no hope and without God in the world. Friends, when we know we don't belong in God's family and we know we don't have a personal savior and we know we don't know the real truth and and we know that we don't have confidence for the future, we have anxiety. And by the way, we should. If you don't have a relationship with God and you're not in his family and you're not walking in the truth and you don't have living hope, you should be worried. You should be anxious. I get it. You ought to be because you're in a bad place. Those of you who are saved, can you remember what it feels like to be lost? You know, occasionally when I'm sharing my testimony with with people, I get overwhelmed with what I once was. I, I don't know if that happens to you very much anymore, but can you remember what it felt like to be lost? to be outside of God's family, to be alienated from Christ, to not have the the, the hope, the truth of the promises and the hope that those give. I don't know what it is, but there are times, not all the time, but there are times after 33 years of walking with the Lord, I get overwhelmed and just put down on my face because of what I once was. Can you remember that feeling? See, if if you can, you don't like to think about it, to think about what you once were. And And if you're not a Christian, this is the last thing you like to think about because of what you are. Because you are strangers to the family of God. You are strangers to Christ. You are strangers to truth. You are strangers to hope. And there's no peace in that. There's no peace in that at all. See, until we know that we need help, we won't seek it. And so the only those who can experience the peace of God are those who know they need the help. You, you, you know, it's like the, the, the person who gets behind the wheel for the first time and they've seen parents drive or other people drive or they've seen people drive on TV and they think, I got this, give me the keys. And then after a bunch of screech tires and maybe a few wrecks, they begin to think, well, maybe I need a little help. Friends, if you want to, you can drive your life and wreck it in whatever way you want to, it's yours. Let me assure you, If you are living without the peace of God, you're wrecking your life. You're going to wreck your marriage. Young people, you say, well, I'm not married yet. Decisions you're making right now about what you do with your body will impact your future marriage. Those of you who are without Christ, don't think for a minute that your sin doesn't matter. Your sin is not going to just impact you. It's going to impact those who love you. You're going to wreck them with your wreck. Friends, without, without God, without Him driving our life in the peace that He alone can give, we will make a wreck. We will wreck our lives and in the process wreck other lives. We need help. Let me ask you a very important question. Do you have peace? Do you have peace? Do you have the confidence and the, content, and the contentment and the courage in knowing that God is in control and that you are not in conflict with God? H- how can you know that? How can you know that you have that? Second thing to note, 
Please note this. God gives peace to those who experience, very important word here. Notice the word, experience the power of the gospel of Jesus. It's not that they have the information, it's that they have the experience. We must, we must never confuse the difference between knowing information and experiencing the power of the gospel of Jesus. Now we need to know the information. Two gospel facts we see in our text today. The first one is we've, we've been brought near to God only by the blood of Jesus. But now, look at verse 13, that underlined, I underlined it in mine, you might want to underline it in yours. But now, it reminds me, if you don't look mine, look back at verse 4, but God. And so what we see in these is a beautiful conjunction of the change that only God can bring. Last week we saw, but God, now what do we see? But now in Christ, what is happening? But now in Christ, Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So that now we have fellowship with God. Now, what am I talking about when I say fellowship? To my Baptist brothers and sisters, I mean more than a potluck. What am I talking about? 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia. And the idea here is, is together, not, not just in a physical sense, although that's an important part of it. It's, it's being together in mind and thought and affection. It's being together and united in purpose and how you live and what you're pursuing in terms of mission and why. This month at our elders meeting, the elders approved our new articles of faith. We had a team that we commissioned uh, quite some time ago to re-examine our articles of faith. This is important, especially in the season we are in. Uh, the new articles of faith, they speak to the issue of marriage, speak to the issue of biological male and female realities. They speak to the issue of artificial intelligence and other definitions of things that, quite honestly, I had heard about, but I didn't know a lot about. And we have wisdom, we have God's word, and we have people praying who are saying, okay, here's what the Bible teaches, here's how we explain it. And what's next is not just do we have articles of faith, but we have bylaws, we have ways that we go about being God's people. Because having been bought with the blood of Jesus, we now have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with God, and we are now, we are now ruled by his word. And so we can speak to what we believe in, how we live and there's this unity in our life and mission as we as we seek to impact our homes our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus we have this because we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus the second fact is we have peace with God are now united with God in Christ and one another it's not just us and God it's us and one another for he himself is our peace now that's isn't that an interesting way to say it? He is our peace. Not that he gives us peace. He is our peace. Now, what does that mean? How is he our peace? Two things that he does. He is our advocate and our propitiation. Where, where do I get this? First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Writing to the church, the apostle John says, My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you, may be, that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, and we all sin, we have, look at this, an advocate with the Father, 
I love this, this, I love this name and title, Jesus Christ the Righteous. It's very important. Jesus Christ the Righteous. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is our advocate. What that means is he's for us, he's not against us, and what he provides, we hold to his promise. Go do yourself a favor today, and in one sitting and one reading, read Romans 8. And think in terms of this is, this is telling me that God is my advocate, that Christ Jesus is my advocate. He is the victor. He is the one who is in control of all things. He, he, know, he guides me in prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit and nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. And he's working all things for good. How? Why? Because he is our advocate. He is for us. He is with us because he is, again, big word here, propitiation. We have to understand that not only is God loving he is. He's also holy and just, which means he hates sin. And his wrath burns against sin. And any who live and die in sin live under the wrath of God and in death experience the full, the full force of the heat of the wrath of God. But we who are in Christ experience peace because Jesus is our peace. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21, I quote this almost every time we receive the Lord's Supper. He who knew no sin became sin. Remember, it's Jesus Christ, the righteous. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Remember again, you've heard me say this many times, when Jesus was dying on the cross, say it with me, what did he say out? My God, my God, why have you? In that moment, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin. This is how he became our peace. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Holy God who became man in that moment received upon himself while alive on that cross all my guilt and shame, all your guilt and shame, all the billions of those who have been saved. I mean, imagine if in a single moment, a single second, you could feel all the guilt and shame you've ever felt in your entire life. I mean, what if you could not escape all that you've ever done that is wrong, all that you've ever caused that is harmful, all the shame and embarrassment, all of it revealed all at once in one single moment? It would, it would destroy you in every way. Now imagine feeling that not just for yourself, but for billions of people in a single moment. Alive to the reality of the separation that comes because of real sin. That's what Jesus felt. And in that moment, he died with that sin. And when he died, he paid the full penalty of it. 
so that it is it died with him my sin debt the sin debt of everyone who believes it died with Jesus but death could not hold him and on the third day he was raised he is now alive and because he's the living God we have life we have life and we have peace and what does the text say he is our peace because we're alive in him now some of you know this information don't you you know this information and you're like the demons of hell James 2 19 you believe that God is one you do well even the demons believe and shudder many of us know intellectually the gospel we understand the idea of sin but we don't shudder we don't shake before the Lord. We're not terrified of the righteousness of God. Because we're deceived. We don't want to think about it. Because to think about it is overwhelming. It's to understand our need. And it's to understand there's only one means that that need can be met. And that is through Jesus Christ, through his work. Colossians 1.29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me, within me because he is alive. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is now at work in us. His living energy alive in us so that we can pursue and recover God's design. Friends, before we can be saved, we have to understand that this world is not as what should be. The design has been broken because of our sin. Our sin has created the brokenness in our relationship. Our sin created the brokenness in our relationship with God. But God, but in Christ Jesus, there's now salvation, the gospel. We can repent, turn away from self-sufficiency. We can stop saying, I have, I have, I have confidence and I, I have contentment and I have courage because I'm in control. Friends, you don't know what's going to happen at lunch. Most of you don't have a clue of, of what's going to happen with this election. You know who does? The one who gives peace. The one who is in control. And, and see, if you trust in him with your life, if you experience the risen Christ and his forgiveness, there is the real thing, the real peace, the real life that only he can live and, and give. And, and that happens through faith. We believe. And in believing, we become something different. Friends, if you claim to be a Christian and, and you can't speak of the difference that God has made in your life through the power of the risen Christ, you must have missed it. Because, I mean, this kind of power, this kind of holiness, this kind of love in your life is going to make a difference in who you are and how you live. And so write it down and make sure you understand. God gives peace to those who find their identity in the gospel of Jesus. We're different. Verse 15, we're, we're, Christians are no longer defined by, we, by what we do based on the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances. No. We are now Christians. Little Christs. And we have his name. 
You know, I've, I've told this for years. I had someone say, I came to this church 20 years ago and you shared this story. It's always been helpful to me to think about it this way. When I was little, before I came to know Christ, uh, I wasn't entirely little. I was, I was kind of a big kid and I ran my mouth a lot because I didn't know Jesus and I was mean. But it was amazing how few fights I got into and how little I got beat up because I had a big brother, big P. Now, I'm little P, always have been. I'm the petite one of the Pettis clan. All the other Pettises are giants. And it's, it pays to be little P, especially when you're a jerk and you're running your mouth because other people who wanna hurt you, someone stops and says, man, that's, that's big P's brother. Which means you don't want to mess with him because that means you get the big P. And it was very helpful having big P as a big brother. But can I tell you, I got, a, I got an even bigger big brother now. Jesus Christ is my brother. The Bible says that by grace through faith in Christ alone, I've been adopted into the family of God. And my older brother is Jesus Christ. And I am now little Christ. I am a Christian. And at the name of Jesus, I have salvation. I have peace with God. He is my peace. So when darkness comes and the name of Jesus is called, darkness has to flee in the light. When there is, there's power that is dark power, when the name of Jesus is brought before it, it, it can't stand the name of Jesus. They are afraid of Jesus. Our Jesus has defeated them. He is the victor. He has the power. And we are his. He is our peace. And what he did on that cross destroyed the hostility between us and God. And we are forgiven. And because we are forgiven, we can forgive each other. Because God has forgiven you, you can forgive everybody else. And because God has loved you, because God has poured his love into us, we can love everybody. And because, because we are right with him, we can serve what is right in the world as we fulfill what it means to be God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, doing the works which he prepared in advance for us to do because we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And now we have peace. We have confidence, contentment, and courage because God is in control. And we are not in conflict with God. We have peace in Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, even as I say that, I know that that is not necessarily true of everyone who's listening right now. So Father, I ask, or even right now, Holy Spirit, that you would do a miracle. Do a miracle. With your head bowed and your, and your eyes closed right there, let me, let me ask you, have you repented of your sin and believed in Jesus and the gospel? If not, you can do that right now. Tell the risen Christ, he is alive and he is God and he hears your heart. 
Tell them that you've sinned and you're wrong. Tell them that you believe that he's God and he's, he's paid for that sin. Now ask the living Christ to live in you and for you to live for him. And thank him. Now Christians, while they're doing that, let me ask you to talk to the Lord for a minute. Are you anxious? Are you afraid? Are you lacking confidence, contentment, and courage in God being in control? Ask God right now to renew your faith and renew your faith commitment to Him. Tell Him what I told Him. I'm trusting in you. Whatever happens is on you. I'm going to enjoy the ride. As the believers are doing that, new believers, you need to be sure that you tell someone that you've been saved so that you can be baptized. Let them know you need to be baptized. Direct message me and I will baptize you soon. And Father, as we get ready to go, some new Christians, some renewed Christians, we ask God that you would revive us all. And Lord, that you would bring a great awakening to our city and to our nation. God, an awakening that transforms every fabric, every influence in our culture. God, transform the media, transform entertainment and and education and politics. Lord God, let the things that we see on television screens and movies honor Jesus. God, let us see stories of how you are God and how you are great. Let us hear songs and and only buy songs and and only delight in the songs that speak of the power of your grace and good news. Lord, in every aspect, transform our culture by by the power of Jesus. And Lord, if you do it, you can know for certain we're going to praise you. Because we know for certain the only one who can do it is you. Bring the great awakening of our age. Bring salvation. Do what only you can do. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.